0: Hello, and welcome back to the Cadbury Conversations podcast. My name is Andrew Davis, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mary Mahmood.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: It's really good to see you back. We made it to episode two, which is a remarkable achievement after the a stunning pilot that everybody enjoyed. We had some really nice comments on it episode is. Yeah, it was very kind of you. Uh, somebody said it was something that ought to be on Radio 4. Oh, wow. Uh, and that <laughs> sounded really nice until I thought, what else is on Radio 4? So like The Archers mm-hmm. and that obituary show that's on the oh. Friday tea time and the oh, shipping forecast. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, whether they meant it as a compliment or an insult, I'm not now actually entirely sure.
1: as people of faith, we're going to take everything in good faith, so it's a compliment as far as we're concerned, So thank you very much.
0: Thank you. (laughs) So, we are here today to talk in episode two about International Women's Day. International Women's Day occurs every year, curiously enough, on...
1: March 8th, which this year is...
0: It's a Sunday. It is indeed. Which suggests to me that it's a really good day to talk about faith Mm -hmm. and uh, women of faith. So it's a real pity we don't have anybody here that could talk about that, isn't it?
1: Well, that said, I did get to speak to someone who is very well versed in um, women's issues, women's rights and human rights rather, and being a woman of faith in um, the human rights scene as well as intra and interfaith leadership. Sounds good. So, our guest this week is the wonderful Rabab Mehdi Rizvi, who is a woman of many hats. Um, She is the chair of the Imam Hussein Council, the chairperson of the International Human Rights Association, and most importantly, an interfaith leader and a human rights campaigner. Rabab has tremendous experience in inter- and interfaith work. At only 13 years old, she organised her first interfaith programme under the auspices of the late Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto. So, without further ado, let me welcome our guest today, Rhabab. Uh, thank you for your kind invitation. And uh, it's an honor to be with you. No, it's our absolute honor and pleasure. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. So considering that it is International Women's Day today, um, we would really like to focus a little bit about um, women in interfaith and how, you know, faith in impacts or influences your day to day life and especially your work in human rights. So firstly, Rabab, if you would tell me a little bit about how, um, you know, you got involved in um, the work that you do, particularly the human rights work that you do. Um, what was your driving force, you know, and how has your faith influenced this? Um So as um, as you had uh, uh,
2: pointed out, uh, the name of the organization is uh, Imam Hussein Council. And um, we have been raised from a very early age to believe in self-sacrifice for the betterment of humanity, Um, the pain uh, that you suffer and the pain that you have within and turning uh, your wounds into wisdom, turning your pain into light for others um, and a candle which burns itself, but it provides light to the others. Um, and uh, uh, I think my personal inspiration is um, Imam Hussein because uh, um, in his uh, you know when 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 he was uh, being uh, uh, martyred, his last words were, "Is there anyone who's going to speak for the poor?" And he was wearing a shroud. He was not, uh, uh, speaking for himself and he was not asking, uh, help for himself, but he was asking for help for, um, uh, uh, for everybody that's suffering in the world. Mm. And if I compare that, uh, um, you know, another, uh, holy personality, which is very close to my heart, uh, that of Hazrat Isa, mm. um, and how he prayed, uh, for those who inflicted wounds on him. Yeah. So, um, I think as women, um, and uh, especially as somebody uh, who was born, it's a bit of a contradiction in my life because I was born in Multan, which mm-hmm. is, um, which is a Sufi, yeah. um, which is a Sufi, uh, city and it's one of the oldest cities in the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, there has been, ter- there there has been a term in Multan, which is called, um, uh Rabadari. yes, um and uh, basically, it's about something that disturbs and puts you at a at a little bit of inconvenience but benefits the other person mm. or the other community mm. um so we haven't uh, uh, really it so it's it's more about being together in joys and in sorrows. Um so when we had the milad um uh you had Hindus, Christians, all of the religious denominations together um then um uh when it was the holy and when it's the Diwali, they basically um subcontinent with its history uh, 5,000 years of history mm-hmm. uh, we've had these beautiful stories where when Muharram used to coincide with Holi mm-hmm. then uh, it was because of this principle of Ravadari mm-hmm. that uh, that the Nawab of Awad he used to celebrate uh, uh, Holi um, and after that Muharram used to be uh, uh, commemorated on the same day and the reason I, I emphasize on this is that um, uh, Holi is a festival of colors and it's uh, uh, it's about happiness and Muharram is supposed to be uh, reflection and it's uh, supposed to be something that is sad and to have that on the same day and to be able to achieve that on the say, same day uh, speaks volumes about how much the human heart and how much the human feelings matter so essentially whichever religion you identify yourself with uh, it is humanity that prevailed Uh, so on one on one hand uh, we have this um, heritage but on the other hand at the same time it was conflict-ridden as well unfortunately we lacked integration and I saw um my father getting death threats with despite being um a, a, a literary figure and uh I call myself a sushi because my you know my father's um one denomination and my mother's the other. But despite that it was conflict ridden and when you when you have uh been deprived of, of a childhood because every single day you're praying whether your father will return safely or not, mm. then uh you do hope that no other child um Faces that. Mm. And so it has been very close to my heart um, that to regain and to reclaim uh, the vibrance, the colors and the diversity that uh,
1: we all once had yeah no that's absolutely you know amazing um, and just so awe-inspiring what you've said you know I, I am also you know a, the, the subcontinent especially the city of Multan holds a dear place in my heart as well and you know my mother's um, she hails from there and hearing these stories of you know like as you said of this Amazing melting pot of cultures and, and the vibrance of that. So that that really does play, you know, out the way in which Islam and its various colors and um, expressions, as well as other subcontinental based religions um, come into together and and into force and into play it's just it's just spectacular to see you know but obviously it, it has it, there is a, an awful reality in in the last couple of decades and and then you mentioned also uh, the influence of Imam Hussein and the justice this this striving and struggle for justice kind of coming in together so that does really uh, it does really tell a lot about you know why is it that you came into the human rights field and then the interfaith as well that's a wonderful um thank you for that That, that's just you know a lot of food for thought there i think um just kind of following from that my next question would be um Rabab, you know could you tell us a little bit about perhaps maybe you know you're you're a very international person you know the work that you do has you know it has shockwaves and resonates across the globe be it here in britain or back home in pakistan and and worldwide in fact um have you faced challenges and, you know, how have you overcome them in your field um, of human rights work? I'm pretty sure your faith helps you overcome those challenges. But if you could speak a little bit about that, especially as a woman, a Muslim woman in the fields of, field of human rights, what sort of challenges have you encountered and how have you tackled them? It's not just about being a, a Muslim
2: woman, but uh, when you speak about uh, when you speak the truth, when you speak, uh, tr- when you stand for truth, justice, um, and when you go slightly against the tide and when you speak on difficult uh, topics, mm-hmm. uh, then very often uh, you should be prepared to walk alone. And sometimes it can be um, it can be lonely mm-hmm. uh and uh, going against the tide is not easy, mm. uh, but uh, I have always been, uh, and I have always tried to work uh, with the grassroots, with the people uh, who nobody hears, for the people uh, who are um, who do not have a voice, and I think that in itself has strength because that is the voice that is impossible to ignore. In the long run, when you are the voice of the people, um, you cannot be ignored for too long, and that is where your uh, effectiveness comes in. And that is um, uh, when we when we chaired the meetings at the United Nations, and when we organized the uh, uh, meetings at the Houses of Parliament, um, um, and, and and in different mosques, um, you know, the it was it was all done. Without raising a single penny, hmm. and I think that is important. And the reason why why we were still so effective was because we were reflecting what the people on ground felt. Hmm. So, um, I know, and of course, um, uh, the challenges that at this point in time I see in the human rights field um, are that uh, it is the welfare and the well-being of the people um that should that you know uh, there are lots of people who are doing good work mm-hmm. and i think that needs to be that needs to be recognized and their uh, voices need to be amplified they are the ones who need to be more visible mm-hmm. um yeah and when it comes to human rights i think uh, one thing that i notice is that people uh, who are doing lots of work um and you know um they are the ones whose work needs to be amplified and they are the ones who need, need to be promoting it whether it comes to child rights, whether it comes to women rights, whether it comes to, you know, Homelessness. I mean, anything. The people who are working with the people mm-hmm. need to be amplified. And um, I think uh, what what ends up happening is that the people who are working with the people are struggling with resources. Mm-hmm. But the people who are good with paperwork are the ones with the resources. But then they're not really working with the people. Mm-hmm. So that is the one thing that I have noticed in human rights. But um, like I said that, uh, if you, if you are working with the people and if you're, if you're going against the tide, then it is difficult. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sometimes visibility is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we struggle to be heard. Um, but, um, but like I said, it is impossible for those voices to be ignored for long. No,
1: that's so we
2: have managed and we have, we have been effective in trying to accomplish some of, some of the things that we, that that we have managed to achieve.
1: And that is spectacular, and you're very right about um reaching out to grassroots and amplifying those voices. That's you know, um and speaking of uh you know highlighting people's achievements, you yourself, I must congratulate you, albeit belated, for being a recipient of the twenty 21- one 421 awards at, um, at Lambeth, you basically are one of the 21 interfaith leaders, uh, future leaders or leaders of the future um, for the 21st century. And that is, again, you know, because you're such a pioneer and paving the way for many exceptional, you know, emerging talent that we see um, that, like you rightly said, often the voices of those people are unheard. So, you know, you are uh, very much, in my opinion, anyway, um, somebody who can, who can serve to bring out those voices. Um, in terms of um, the work that you do, um, and clearly, you know, like I said, you were 13 years old when you, when you started. In that period of time up until now, be it human rights or the interfaith activism that you are involved in, have you seen things change for better or worse?
2: I opened my eyes. I was 13 when uh, Bhutto attended my seminar. Mm-hmm. Then um, it was people like uh, Dr. Akbar S. Ahmed and all, 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 Lord Avery. Mm-hmm. All of these people, um, they set a very uh, a high standard, a very high bar, mm-hmm. um, which is rather difficult to meet when it comes um when it comes to uh integration I think uh people need to be uh meeting each other rather than googling each other so true and uh, and i think uh that is what I have been trying to do and unfortunately in in um in in britain um we we are i mean we need integration. And, uh, there is this unfortunate compartmentalization where, uh, like I said, people are Googling each other rather than meeting each other. And um, so, which is why, um, uh, when, um, you know, at the, at the, at the houses, at the House of Lords, um, uh, when we, when we commemorate the events, it's, um, mostly people from, it's women leaders from the Jewish traditions, the, um uh uh christian the hindus the 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 dalits um i mean all the different, the Sikhs, all the different religious persuasions um, are there. And one uh, more thing that I would like to say, apart from this uh, compartmentalization, because basically what happens is that people have these nine to five jobs mm-hmm. and on the weekend they just end up going to their mosque, whichever denomination that is. And uh, there is no, there's no meeting uh, with any other mosque or any other denomination. Mm-hmm. So what I uh, what I tried uh, doing was that on on especially on Fridays, um, um, I would take people. Um, I would hold a seminar uh, with people of one uh, Muslim denomination, and I would invite the other denomination to their mosque. So basically, people were uh, meeting each other that way, and. Um, um, uh, Apart from uh, apart apart from this, um, what I also feel, and what I also feel is important, is for the visibility of the women. Hmm. Um, we will not be able to, um, uh, you know, up until the time the women are involved, hmm. um, we will not be able to, um, uh, you know, we will not be able to. Um, uh, th- 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 you see, in terms of visibility they they do not belong uh, beyond, behind plasma screens they belong to all the, the, the decision making tables exactly. and uh, essentially um what what we have done um uh, at the House of Lords is also where you know we've we've been we've been we've been trying to amplify um uh amplify the women voices and the visibility of the women because unfortunately you do not have uh, women and youth involved in the in the interfaith circles um, um I, I mean there is room for improvement mm. yeah
1: no thank you for that actually that's that's so true i, I i'm Quite struck by this point you made about you know the, the the fact that we're often Googling each other because you know it says a lot about how you you know you become far closer in a way because you have this you know at the tip of your finger you're able to access information about people yet there's this increasing disconnect unfortunately the reality is that we don't often come together um so that's why it's vital the work that you're doing and i must commend you for the work that you're doing in parliament with emerging leaders and you know women especially at the decision making tables and it's another reason why i should plug our faith leaders training initiative the FLTI that the Cadbury centers running with um funds uh, and support from the MHCLG. And I um, often, because I train on that course and, and recruit for it, it is just absolutely imperative that we have women, uh, especially young women, from various different faith backgrounds there, you know, training and, um, you, you know, picking up those skills, those tools and techniques that can, um, you know, propel them in, in their future careers, you know, not just, as you said, sitting behind those screens, but actually engaged and, um, interactive at the very heart of the decision making process. With that in mind, Rubab, my next question to you is, you know, and as I said earlier, you have such, um, you know, wonderful things that you've done in, in, in many of your domains and of, of your career. What advice would you give to especially considering it's Women's Day, what advice would you give to emerging women uh, faith leaders or, you know, um, activists in both human rights and interfaith? These are the emerging talent of, of women uh, of different faith backgrounds. What advice would you give to them?
2: I think um, a lot of work has been done, um, but there is room for improvement. Uh, when it comes to the mosques, when it comes to the places of worship, Um you know, one of the, one of the, my two favorite, uh, names for God are Rahman and Rahim, as you know that we, uh, start when we say Bismillah Rahman Rahim. And, um uh, 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 Rahman is the all, all-inclusive God, mm-hmm. which, uh, where, uh, who, who gives people who do not even believe in him. So when we say um, all faiths and none. And then Rahim is about Muslim unity. Now the focus of uh, all our religions is the neighborhood principle. Uh, When it comes to Christianity, when it comes to the Jewish traditions, when it comes to the Muslims, very quickly in the Muslim tradition, uh, when it comes to, uh, for example, the Friday prayers, mm-hmm. um, uh, you are meant to go, um, uh, uh, when you're meant to go to the nearest mosque. And then there is another prayer where, where you're meant to go to the biggest mosque, like, for example, on Eid. But why do you need to go to a mosque? One may think, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, you can pray at home and you can pray alone. So, uh, why would you need to go to a mosque? And the whole purpose of going to a mosque is um, the neighborhood principle, where when you go to the mosque, you find out about how your community is doing, how the other person is doing. So I think that um, today we need to go and we need to move beyond dialogue. Mm. Um, and we need to, uh, 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 our mosques, they need to become not only places of worship, but community centers, where um, they have pro bono services, they have free pro bono legal services, where they are going to empower people, where they're going to empower, why is there no visibility of women in in um, not only, you know, uh, in almost all the religious traditions? I think if it's only the vicar, the rabbi, or the imam, um, Obviously, that is constructive, but there is room for improvement because when the women um, uh, um, and I have been uh, uh, struggling that every mosque should have at least one woman in their board uh, of governors. So that is what is important, that instead of investing in buildings, we need to invest in generations mm. and it is only when we invest in generations when we invest in education when we invest in the welfare of the people and the hands that rock the cradle are uh, the most powerful hands when we empower and include our women mm. that is when i see um, that oh, that we will that you know there will be no need for an we will be We we will not just be talking about coexisting. We will not be talking about tolerating, but we will be talking about accepting and embracing each other. My advice would be to believe in yourself, uh, to believe in your dreams, because uh, because a strong woman. A woman who believes in her. We have all the freedoms and we talk about, um, you know, freedom of this and freedom of uh, that. But there is one freedom uh, that is closest to my heart and that is the freedom of thought. Yes. When when a woman believes in herself and a woman believes in her dreams, Mm. then no power
1: on the earth should be able to shake her confidence in those amazing such wise sage words and mm-hmm. something that i'm sure women and and young people and all of us uh, all round can really benefit from you know believing self belief is key um so you know and then and then the selfhood you know it reminded of uh, the great Ilama Iqbal's khudi you know the selfhood yeah how you have that yeah. self belief that khudi ko kar buland itna ke panna khuda you know so it's basically the translation would be um you know inspire yourself and big you know um perhaps enough self-belief in your own selfhood that you know that even god will then turn to man and say or woman and say what is it that you require you know and what is going to happen so anyway um and, and
2: also uh um, on, on because because people do say that they like powerful women yeah. but this is something that can go in their favor but this is something that can it's it's not easy yeah. um uh it's it it's you know, it's one thing to admire a powerful yeah. woman, it's another uh,
1: thing to uh, work with them. Thank you so much for such a thought-provoking and empowering message, Rabab. because, you know, these, the words that you say, you know, they will resonate with many of our listeners. Truly, truly beautiful and um truly inspired by faith and also your perspective and your background and your heritage. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest on our Cadbury Conversations. Thank you so much for your time. Not that much into visibility, but I could not say no to uh, such a beautiful
2: woman uh, (laughs) who is doing such incredible work. And it's been an absolute pleasure to be here and an absolute pleasure to connect.
0: Thanks a lot, Mariam. Really interesting uh, words there from Rubab uh, Mehdi, who we were very glad to to have with us today. And uh, one of uh, an emerging generation of Muslim leaders in the religious sphere, really, who's having considerable uh, impact. Of course, it's not an entirely new thing to have women in leadership in in Islam, is it?
1: Quite right. I mean, um, if we look around the globe, um, women in powerful, leadership roles, Uh, I'm thinking heads of state now, so specifically the the Indian subcontinent, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, we have women who are of faith, specifically the majority being Muslim faith, Islam, in Bangladesh and Pakistan and India. Um, We can talk about, you know, there's obviously the element of dynastical politics at play, that these women are actually just mere, unfortunately, puppets of the patriarchal system, upholding the values that are affirmed within their clans. Um, that aside, I think worth remembering, especially with regards to Islam, considering that our guest today is of a Muslim background, but um, women in Islam have always been part of the equation. You know, to say that we're just injecting their role now is would be wrong because Let's think back to um, leading figures of the faith. So, you know, the the women of Janet, the women of um, heaven, um, many of them, you know, um, have played such a vital role in the faith itself, whether it's uh, Mary, uh, mother of Jesus, whether it's Fatima, who is the daughter of Muhammad, peace be upon him, or um, Moses' mother, Asia, now, these are just three of the women I'm mentioning. Each of them played such a vital and unique role. I think, just to just to round up, that the women and their voices have always been present. It's up to us to seek them out, to, to truly value them, to, to read up on them, to bring those out. Um, and many female scholars, um, Islamic feminist scholars have been doing just that, um, you know, and, and reinterpreting As a result the contemporary role that women play um, using you know keeping their faith and the real world so what we call deen and dunya so the faith so deen as in the faith or dunya as in the world um, side by side and um, you know balancing the two because ultimately what is faith if it's no use to us in the real world in the practical so i think a lot of people have re-evaluated And some even would say reinterpreted uh, the historical role played, the significance of that role played by women in uh, the very formative stages of the faith itself. So I think that's a key in terms of understanding where we're at now.
0: Well, that just about eats up all our time for today. Really interesting episodes to celebrate a great day, International Women's Day on Sunday, uh, the 8th of March, 2020. Um, we'd love to hear what you think about what we've had to say, what Rhubarb and Mariam have had to say. The easiest way of getting a hold of us is sending us a tweet at Cadbury Centre, mm-hmm. um, and we'll uh, watch those mentions enthusiastically and passionately, and look out for what you have to say. Uh, We'll be back soon with another exciting guest and lots more important stuff to say about religion and public life. Until then, happy International Women's Day. Have a great week. We'll be back with you soon.